frankly, and I don't know if you can even hear me above the roar of the crowds here in Times Square. I'm here with the real star of the evening, the New Year's Eve ball that's going to drop to bring in 1988. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Zaz actually said to me when we were doing No Rest for the Wicked, he goes, that's going to be your thing. And I was just like, what? And he said, the fact that you crap your pants and you stink. Aside of that, yes, you're, uh, you're those, those, woo, 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 those things that you do. And those are pinch harmonics. But the boss knows them as woo, woo, woo. So that's what he calls them. But uh, yes, and after that, he told me to go change my trousers because I stunk. Welcome to Sabbath Bloody Podcast. Up, madman. My name is Rye, and it's Wednesday somewhere. So we're stepping back into the madness here. No rest for the fucking wicked. You know it's here. <laughs> it's September too. My God. And I'm still working from home. We're supposed to be back at my office in mid-September, they say. Unless some asshole decides to go on a Tinder date in the big city. <laughs> Sorry, I know a lot of you people are in the thick of this pandemic, and I feel for you. We're all connected, but I live in like a really small township about 1600 out here and my work is in a smaller city too but I imagine a lot of you are into your new normals by now your little ones are going back to the factory I'm glad I don't have to deal with that nightmare yet but hope you're all staying safe at least but you know what here on the deep dive podcast network it's always been good we're properly distanced it's built into our format here and we're thriving in the new normal so a big bark to us. Bark at the moon. <laughs> Nate and Jono over a Deep Purple podcast over there. And one of the recent guests, too. Everyone's favorite simple man in his reconsideration of the Leonard Skinner catalog. You know, it's Skinner reconsidered. Then you got David, Paul, Joe, Peter, Mary, fucking Ringo. All those lads over it. The lap of the pods, talking queen, and taking the piss like only the Scots can. And last but certainly not least, the chairman of the board, Thibaut Mathley, and his prime cuts, his prime cuts on the other side. I know he hasn't released that series yet, but I'm so stoked. I got his freaking jingle ready for him there. So, that's us. Hopefully you follow it all. But, let's roll out of the station here. I'm actually going to close my window. Too much ambience coming through, as always. But yeah, let's see what your man Ozzy Osbourne is doing. Okay, everybody, what's on the agenda here today? So, with our newest offering from Ozzy still percolating in the studio, thanks to the help of head brewmaster Bob Daisley, that comes out very nicely, Let's open up today's gig talking about that masterpiece, shall we? A somewhat underrated one in Ozzy's catalog from the general rankings that I've seen out there. And it definitely deserves to be up in the top half of Ozzy's solo offerings, for me at least. It's probably sitting at number two for me, just behind Diary. No Rest for the Wicked. This one, it it really works for me. Like, I've loved it since I first heard it. 
Not that I got it when it first came out or anything. Like, I would have been fucking five years old or something at that time, lads. But I did discover it, and I had gone on a huge binge of the more modern Zack material. I was already getting into Pride and Glory and BLS. And I think I came to this record just after buying Osmosis, maybe No More Tears back to back. And it was so different than those albums. More in line with the Jakey and Randy stuff, really. The ultimate bridge here to get into the whole Aussie catalog, I think. Like, I was into, like, Pantera, COC, 90s Metallica, like, groove-leaning kind of heavy vibes. I wouldn't have been into the more 80s keyboard-soaked, shredding guitar hero stuff that Aussie's back catalog is kind of dominated by. I love that pounding bass, heavy, groovy riffs like Osmosis has, and even down to earth, outside of like the ballady kind of stuff that Ozzy does. The ones like Thunder Underground, Black Illusion, those ones, I played the shit out of those albums because they sound fucking great on like a car stereo system. Like, how can you not enjoy a nice summer's day cruise with the windows down, cranking Perry Mason? I mean, <laughs> come on, doesn't get any better than that. But I heard No Rest, and man, it's got fucking balls for days too, right? It's a little more technical, a little more shreddy in the riffage, but some killer emotion in there too. Like on Fire in the Sky, that song absolutely sends me. It instantly became one of my favorite Aussie songs ever. Even Zach, like, his playing is very different on this record from the BLS stuff and, you know, the squeal every chance you get kind of gimmick. <laughs> He'd... He's been rolling with that kind of flavor for what seems like forever now. And if you don't like Zach's gimmicks, I personally love them. But if he turns you off and you haven't listened to No Rest for the Wicked yet because you think it's more of the same, give it a fucking play, man. I'm not meaning to make Zach's playing the focal point of this album here. The whole band is incredible on here. Castillo's drums, badass as always. Daisley's bass, crushing on this one. And the Oz man, he sounds better than ever in my opinion on this record. The record was produced by a very famous producer as well, Roy Thomas Baker, whom you've probably recognized his name from being behind a lot of the classic Queen albums, if you fuck with that shit, which you should, Queen rocks. I mean, we should probably leave this kind of deep dive into the lads over at the In the Lap of the Pods, but hey, this hack's gonna look at Wikipedia, <laughs> see what fucking Roy Thomas Baker did here. Yeah, he's done a lot of fucking solid stuff here in the 80s predominantly. Some 70s stuff too. What are some standouts for me? He did Free, Fire and Water. So, I don't know, maybe he did the Paul Rogers Queen later too, I don't know. Man, just look at this guy's fucking resume. It's insane. He did a lot of the Cars stuff, which sounds amazing. I love the Cars. Some people write them off as kind of generic classic rock, but they are killer produced albums he's done some iconic soundtracks here too fast times wayne's world hmm, actually you know i guess those would have just been queen songs that were on the soundtrack right you can't count them in that. it's funny though one of the most recent albums he's got here was the darkness remember that one one way ticket to helen back <laughs> so even the joke retro bands are keeping it legit with roy thomas baker at the helm <laughs> did he do the greta fan fleet shit too uh, Alright, let's go back to the timeline here. After that producer kind of sidetrack that we hit, 
The first half of this year is more or less spent working on the No Rest for the Wicked album. Daisley, of course, is not going to stay in the bass slot. He's already made that clear. But that's okay, because Ozzy has an old friend ready to come back here and help launch this new album and cycle. And with him, we get my favorite Ozzy lineup of all time here. This is a day of favorites for Rye Guy. I love this set little era of Ozzy. You get Ozzy, Zach Wilde, Randy Castillo, John St. Clair, and on the bass, Geezer Butler. Oh yeah. So here's the Ozman being interviewed by one of my all-time favorites, a, a staple here on Sabbath Bloody Podcast, the great Mick Wall. So you've got a brand new guitarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, brand new bass player as well, I should mention. Yeah, I've got Geezer Butler playing with me now. That's right, he was your old mate from Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. How did that come about? I don't know, I mean, when Sabbath formed, me and Geezer used to play in a band before Sabbath formed. I always liked his bass playing, he was a great songwriter, a great performer, so he wasn't working, so I offered him the gig and he took it. I think I was a bit surprised when I heard about it, because I imagined that you'd probably get... Because you had Phil Susan before that, who was very young and mm-hmm. had all the, you know, the look and... But, the I mean, a bass player is the back... The, the backbone of the band, you know, and it's like uh, to get a very good bass player is very hard to get. To get the combination of a good showman and a good bass player is very hard to get. Right. And I mean, I mean, guys, that saying Goose has been playing bass for like the best part of his life. So, and, and I, I love his playing. Him and Bob Daisley are my two bass, best bass players around. I've ever worked with him. Of course, Geezer used to do a lot of the, the writing as yeah, well. Yeah. Is he going to be doing some writing with you again? Hopefully, yeah. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I haven't worked with him for 10 years now, so it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Uh-huh. Whether he's still got the same thing going for us as we used to have in the old days, but we'll, we'll soon find out. Right. He, he might know, I might have wanted new bass player. <laughs> That's right. So it was announced in May of 1987, after the album was all done and dusted, that for the touring unit... Geezer Butler would be in the group. From what Ozzy has said, it was their kids that kept pushing for Oz and Geese to join forces again, but we all know it was the ladies of the manor, right? Sharon Osborne and Gloria Butler, the real wheeling dealers, making sure that these dudes get their shit together again. And they're supposed to kick off a tour really quickly here. In June, it's slated for, but it's postponed a month into July. Not sure what happened there, but on July 7th and 8th, in glorious Dublin, Ireland. A small, kind of UK-ish tour. Because <laughs> Dublin ain't in Her Majesty's service. Don't you ever forget that. And this tour would have been sick. It seems like it's just smaller, more intimate halls. A band called Jagged Edge, who I've never heard of as the support act. Essentially a little club tour here for Ozzy. So it's Ireland, Northern Ireland, crossover to Scotland, then back down through the UK. Pretty much a solid whole month of touring here in July, ending on the 27th of that month. A nice little warm-up for Geezer to get into the Aussie songs here, right? And it's killer hearing him play like Shot in the Dark and stuff, like <laughs> generic kind of bass lines, but Geezer brings some fucking thunder. It's great. As much as Zach is the fucking gimmick king, the visual aspect of Aussie here, the glam, it really tones down once Zach comes on board. I guess it's just a sign of the times, right? We're like We're fast approaching the gritty, flannel-clad 90s here. So Ozzy himself gets kind of more metal. The hair goes dark. The leather is picked over the fucking sequins. And this is really a badass era look-wise, I think. 
everything about this hair fucking rocks. Here's Ozzy to talk a little bit about the rejection of the glam. Reflecting back on the last year of the ultimate shit, I thought, fucking hell, what the fuck were you on, man? I mean, the glitter, the beads, and the fucking bullshit, you know? You know, so this too, I just wanted to keep it, I, I wanna go back to basics. But you see, the situation goes out again, I mean, I got Zach, who's so knowledgeable about it. I mean, nowadays, you can't avoid it because there's so many different effects that if you don't use these different effects, you're automatically dated before you put the record out. Because you have to use a certain amount of cross-phasing and fucking, uh, uh, what they call them fucking things, that em emulators. You've got to use a certain amount of that because it's the quality of the record that's now being put on the market. Although, as I say at the same time, as I say at the same time, there has never been a fucking record, as far as I'm concerned, released with the same kind of a feeling and atmosphere as Black Sabbath 1. I mean, that was done in, in, in 12 hours in a, uh, two four-track machines. Yeah, I read that. Not even done in I, fucking I stereo. Eight hours, straight back in the fucking van, went to Switzerland for three months to be resident in a fucking bar. So on this cycle, too, Ozzy starts having those chest pains again. His health is not much better. He's still boozing pretty hard, too. And he starts going hard on the meds, as you can kind of see in some interviews from around this time. But before they released the new album... They seem to take a little breather here for Ozzy's health, you know, keep that heart in check. Things go quiet from August right through late October, and I assume that's because of Ozzy's little health scare on that UK jaunt, but maybe it was just how things were scheduled, but the band isn't on the road for the release of the album. This is like the first time that they're not actually out there while the album kicks off. October 22nd, 1988, No Rest for the Wicked hits the shelves. And the album had its troubles too with its presentation, particularly in its cover. Some censorship from the religious fuckwits that are always lurking around Ozzy looking for something to condemn him for. The original cover for the album was very similar to the one that's released actually. Except Ozzy had a crown of thorns on his head and the three little girls around him, they were all holding crucifixes. So they were going for a little Jesus crucifixion thing. Oh, Jesus. Can't have that, Ozzy. Alright, so where does the tour resume here? We got a date here. November 16th, 1988. The No Rest for the Wicked official tour beginning. Anthrax is brought on in support. So, sticking with the young thrash scene. I'm sure Slayer and Megadeth will be next, right? Maybe not till the Ozfest for those guys, but... He sure plays with all of the big four over the years. Would 88 be the Bush era of Anthrax yet? I don't really know when the switch happened, but that's the only Anthrax that I personally like. The sound of white noise. Right up to the We Come For You All newer Bush albums. I just don't like Belladonna at all. You know, I liked it when they had more groove. I mean, they sold out, man. <laughs> but the tour is pretty nonstop here. It rides us right through into 1989, even. So let's pull up a gig here. 1988 gig. Have a listen, shall we? What have I got in the queue? I mean, most of the solid No Rest for the Wicked tour stuff is in 1989, as far as recordings and stuff. But here's one, a bootleg from December 3rd, 1988 in New Haven, Connecticut. It's a pretty fucking shit bootleg, too, so apologies. I'll pick a great track next week. We'll really hear Zach and Geese and Castillo, the magic that is that lineup. But here's the set list here for December 3rd, New Haven. 
I don't know, flying high again, Mr. Crowley, shot in the dark, bloodbath in paradise, goes into a Zack solo, then they play some Sabbath, Sweet Leaf, War Pigs, Tattooed Dancers in there again, and drum solo, mixed in with that one, then Fire in the Sky, the glorious Fire in the Sky, into Miracle Man, that's a great little one-two there from the new album, then it's Suicide Solution, Iron Man, Crazy Train, Paranoid, and Bark at the Moon as the official closer here. That's great. So they don't end with Paranoid as usual. They end with Bark. I love it. Let's drop in on one of the new ones, though. How about some Miracle Man? God busted. <laughs> Like I said, sounds like garbage, right? But listen to that shred, baby. Next week we'll have some proper pro-sounding shit from these guys. Don't you worry. But really, that's it for today. Just a little bit of touring starting. Cool shit happening. As I said, this lineup is incredible. Geezer's in top form. I love him when he's in Aussie. I love him when he's in everything. But, But will this be the new... Norm going forward, will we get an actual studio album with Ozzy and Geezer's magic? Well, we'll see. A lot of years to go on this show. <laughs> I know there's no real cliffhangers here on Podcast of a Madman. We're just rehashing history, right? But, hey, maybe one or two fucking lads out there are listening, following along in real time. So I'm trying not to do spoilers. I'm trying to build some suspense. All you old dogs, just keep your yaps shut. <laughs> Not everyone has lived in these albums like you. And you know what? I love hearing from people that are just discovering Ozzy's catalog or rediscovering the shit through this show. Like it it actually happens, man. Myself included, of course. I hadn't really given Ultimate Sin the time of day before this. And now it's up there in the classics for me. If you're new to the Ozzy world, I, I wanna hear from you too. Find me on Twitter. At Sabbath Bloody PC. Tell me how this stuff's sinking in for you. Or email me if you want to go into a longer form rant about your discoveries. Sabbath Bloody Podcast at gmail.com. Alright. I'll see you. I'll see you on the other side.